I, I want to talk a little bit over the next couple weeks about developing your faith. Developing your faith. And like I said, if you hopefully you have your word or you have some way to get to, to Scripture, uh, because I usually say, you know, maybe you just have this one memorized, but I got so many, I don't think you have all of these memorized. You've read them before, but maybe not memorized, Eldon. <laughs> so um, uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. And um, the, this, this subject of faith uh, is so important to us. Um, but, I, you know, I want to preface it by saying this. Our God, as you well know, is not a genie in a bottle or some sort of magic trick uh, or where we say, you know, faith, 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 faith ten times and all of a sudden, you know, a new car drops out of the sky or anything like that. I mean, he could do that if he wanted to. I mean, this, you know, there are no limits. Uh, amen. But um, we're, not, we're not looking for a genie in a bottle. What we're looking for is relationship <laughs> and that's what it's all about uh, but this is something that God wants us to understand you must understand Hebrews eleven six. while we're starting this series and you don't have to turn there I'll just give it to you just trust me that this is what it says it says uh, but it is what without faith it's impossible you can you cannot please God without faith we have to start with that it's just, you cannot please him you try to do anything else He's not pleased. That's what it says. Look at it. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not possible if you don't have faith. So I would think that faith for the Lord is pretty important, wouldn't you? It's pretty important. We cannot please him if we don't have it. And, uh, you know, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is, it says. Uh, he is who he says he is, and they must diligently seek him. And uh, it, it just, uh, you know, we, we, we try so many things. There's so many things. Uh, you know, we get stuff in the mail. Maybe it's worth trying. We'll try that out. We, uh, you know, we go to the bank. And it seems like we trust the credit card company and the banks and uh, the doctor. And we trust all those people who are limited. Amen. But the one who created you, breathed the breath of life in you, sustained you every day, gave you a heartbeat without electricity or batteries. Come on. Uh, we ought to be able to trust that one. I mean, if you want to know, uh, you know, the origin of something, you ought to be able to go back to the beginning, to the one who started it all. Amen. And that's the Lord Jesus. He, he started it all. So we must understand that, uh, you know, he, he loves us. He's for us. He's not against us. And he wants us to develop our faith. He wants us to develop it. Now, here's one thing uh, that I really love. This, this hit me, and I really really love this about the Lord. And I was actually talking with um, some of the Filipinos about this. You know, Martin talked about it and the guys talked about it, how we were over in the Philippines and they um, were really, uh, you know, didn't have as much, you know, America is a prosperous country to them and we are. And uh, they live a very, very simple life. You know, if they're hungry, they may go out back and grab a pineapple or a coconut off the tree and you know, eat, which was the best fruit we've ever had, by the way, uh, you know, or, or, or whatever it might be, uh, you know, chickens running around the yard, so they just grab a chicken and, you know, do the thing, and uh, we had a lot of chicken, and uh, so that was good, um, and, uh, you know, very, very, very simple life over there, but one of the things that I shared with them is, you know, we've had our problems in this country, too, uh, and as the world has, 
period. But the thing about it is, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what color or gender or where you were born, you know, you're born rich, born poor, it doesn't matter at all because God does something for every single person that is exactly the same. And I want to show that to you. Romans chapter 12. If you look at Romans 12, starting at, uh, I'm just going to start at, I'll start at verse 1 in Romans chapter 12. Now I'm going to read, starting here with the New King James Version of the Bible, and then I want to just show you something that I think is really pretty tremendous that you ought to take to heart, okay? So Romans chapter 1, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is Paul talking, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. In other words, that's the least that you can do. Come on, it's the least you can do. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3, for I say... Through the grace given to me, Paul is talking here, to everyone who is among you, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, we're reading here from the New King James Version of the Bible, and in this particular, for this particular passage, I really like the King James. I know we're progressive, and, you know, we have some other versions that we like to read from, and the young people, you know, the King James says, upbraideth not, and thou thus though, and, you know, they don't understand those words. Uh, you know, that's kind of amazing, because we never really change and upgrade Shakespeare. That's, that stays the same, uh, but, uh, you know, we want to upgrade uh, the English, but that's okay. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really like the King James from this version. It's verse 3. Look at this, what the King James says. It says, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, what? The, the, the measure of faith. The measure of faith. This really indicates a degree, a quantity, an amount, or a condition. A degree, a quantity, an amount, or a condition. I see the measure of faith. To me, what that's saying is everyone gets the same measure of faith at the beginning. All right? When, you're, when you're, you give your life to the Lord, God gives you his, his faith. And he gives everyone. I don't care if you were born in the poorest part of the Philippines or Africa or Haiti or if you were born in the Rockefeller home. It doesn't matter. Once you give your life to the Lord, you are given the measure of of faith. And so the question, you might see people and say, well, this person, you know, Sister Jody seems like she has a lot of faith, or Sister Dietrich, or Brother Eldon, or Brother Jim back there. They, you know, it just seems like that. He's just a man of faith, and just whatever comes, he's able to, you know, believe God. And the question is not, did God give him more faith than you? It's just, did, he, did you develop your faith? Did you develop it? Or did you like some of us have done, just sit on the couch and wait till things come to you. You know, just see if it'll come. Will more faith come sitting on the couch? I believe if you don't go through any, you can't be an overcomer unless you overcome something, right? You can't just sit on the couch and say, I'm an overcomer. 
right? So you can't develop your faith unless you're developing your faith. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, over the next number of weeks. Now, I think that in order to develop your faith, let me, let me ask a question. Anastasia, let me just ask you a question. It's not a trick question, so you can answer honestly. Do you know how old you are? Not a trick. And I won't ask you your age. Just yes or no, do you know how old you are? You do know how old you are. Okay, she knows how old. How do you know how old you are? (laughs) It's a better question, isn't it? How do you know? Because of your birthday. Well, how do you know that's your birthday? Your birth certificate. Someone told you, right? Someone told her how old she is. That's how she knows, and she knows what her birthday is. Someone told her that. That's how she knows that I have a birthday every year, and this is how old I am. For us, I I think in order to to get to where you're going, you have to first know where you are. If you don't know where you are, it's going to be difficult to get to where you want to go. Come on. And so God has given every one of us the measure of faith. Uh, By the way, let me just say one other thing. You look here in Romans, who is he talking to? I don't want to get that mixed up either because, you know, it says God has dealt to every man. Well, is that every man? Is that... Uh, you know, is it everyone those in church and out of church? What is it? Um, I think right here in Romans chapter 1, chapter 1, let me go to... Okay, chapter 1, let me, let me just start at verse 1. Who's he talking to? Okay, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 5, through whom we have received grace, an apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome beloved of God called to be what saints to all he's writing a letter to the Romans but he's writing a letter specifically to all of the what saints and if he's writing a letter to all of the Roman saints that would also apply to all saints amen i mean how you get saved in Romans 10:9 and 10 applies to all saints right So this would apply to all saints. So what we're talking about here applies to what? All saints, all right? All those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who who Paul is talking to. So we all start out with the same measure of faith, but then the question is, are we developing it? But my thing is this. This is what the Lord is really showing. Uh, It's really... Uh, pretty simple the way the Lord is going to show us how to develop your faith. But before we get to that, he wants us to understand and to figure out where we are with our faith. Where are you with your faith now? Where are you? And again, remember we talked about at the beginning, this doesn't have anything to do with a genie in a bottle or how you believe God for money and all of that, okay? Um, this, this has to do with your relationship with God more so than anything else, Okay? and what you've been through, all right? So we need to know how we are. So here's what I want to do is I want to read a number of scriptures that describe faith in a degree, an amount, a quantity, 
or a condition. They're going to describe faith in a degree, an amount, a quantity, or a condition. See if you can say that. They're going to describe faith in a what? A degree, an amount, a quantity, or a condition. One more time. A degree, an amount. All right, told you, participatory. All right, so you can't sleep today. All right, <laughs> no sleeping today. All right, so uh, that's, that's how it's going to describe faith. So let's just get started. Here's what I want to do. I want you to look at all the scriptures that we read and that we go through, and I want you to try to find yourself in there. Where might you be in here? All right, in all of these descriptions of faith that are of a degree, an amount, a quantity, or a condition. And the big thing is, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter. Remember, God has given us all the same measure of faith. So you at least have that. Even if you haven't developed your faith, you have the measure of faith. You have a starting point. You have gas in the car. Come on. God has given, he's equipped you. And you have the spirit of God. So all of us, and again, that's what I was was, uh, loving about uh, the response from uh, the Filipino people when we were talking about this is it doesn't matter. Don't, you don't have to look to America and say, oh, how lucky they are because they're so prosperous. Guess what? You have the same measure of faith that they have. You can overcome. You can prosper. You can be healed. You can do all of those things that any Christian in America can do because God loves that he's no respecter of person. Come on. Not where that's concerned. He's no respecter of person. Okay? So see if you can find yourself in here. We're going to go through a few scriptures today, and then we'll pick it back up uh, next week. Okay? So have to go with me. All right? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, or get your phone or your iPad or Samsung Galaxy or whatever other kind of phone, LG. Uh, or just get a good old Bible, like me and Sharon and Jody. We just got a we just got an old Bible. <laughs> Matt, I, better, I, I better turn there. Matthew chapter eight, uh, and let's look at uh, the description of faith here in Matthew chapter eight. And again, you know, talk back to me this morning. It's okay. Let's start at verse number five. Matthew chapter eight, verse five. If you have it, say, I have it. All right. Verse 5, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. You remember this story? And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I have not found such what? Great faith in all of Israel. So a degree, an amount, a quantity, or a condition. Here, Jesus describes this person's faith as what? Great faith. What does he describe it as? Great faith. One more time. He describes it as? 
There we go. Great faith. All right. So, you know, look and see. Are you there? Is that where you might be? I mean, if Jesus, if you had someone at home, your daughter or your sister, and uh, you were able to go to Jesus, and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him, would you be able to say, Jesus, don't even come. Just, just speak the word right where you are. Just speak one word, and I, I know it'll be done. I'm not even thinking about it. Is that you? Okay. Now, that's great faith. I've got quite a few of them here, okay? Turn over, and still in Matthew, turn over to chapter 14. And here's another story that you'll remember. Uh, 14, and just turn over a few pages. I'm going to start at verse 22. Uh, you'll remember this one. The Bible says, uh, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the disciples away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening had come, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, what? Walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But notice here, Jesus immediately, he never wants us to be in fear, not even for a moment. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he, being Jesus, said, come, come on on the water. And when Peter had come down of the boat, he what? Walked on the water. Peter did what? Walked on the water. What did Peter do? Now this is important. Peter walked on the water. I don't know that it's recorded that anyone before this time walked on water. And I don't know that it's recorded that anyone since this time has walked. I don't know. You may know. You may have heard some stories. But I, I've not heard of anyone walking on the water since this time. Peter actually walked on the water. Verse 30, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So, so far we've seen someone with great faith. Now Jesus describes faith as what? Little faith. So we got great faith and little faith. All right. Do you see yourself maybe there? This one happened when he walked on the water. Come on, he did something to me that would take great faith. I don't know how you can walk on water without great faith. But because he doubted, because he looked at the wind, because he looked at the circumstances, which Jesus called doubt and began to sink, Jesus said, you of what? Little faith. Little faith. All right, turn over to Romans chapter 4. I told you we just got quite a few of them. These are what we want to call the faith photographs, okay? It's kind of like when you, you know, you have children and you watch them grow up and you take a picture when they're first born and then when they start crawling, you take another picture, you know, and then they start walking and you have a photo. Well, today I guess you just have Facebook or something like that, but we used to have actual photo albums that we took pictures and had them printed out and put them in the, and you saw the progression, Okay. And so this is kind of like faith photographs, all right? 
And so, uh, what do we say? Romans chapter 4. Let's see what else. Let's, let's look at Paul's description here of faith. Romans chapter 4. I'm looking at verse 17. And Paul says this. He says, As it is written, I have made you father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and also uh, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God does this now. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be, verse 19. And not being what? Weak in faith, but let's go on. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in verse 20 at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strengthened, strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now here we see two different ones. We saw him describe faith as what? Weak faith, but then also Abraham wasn't that way. He had what? Strong faith. So, so far, we've got four of them. We've got what? Great faith, little faith, faith, strong faith. Okay, so let, let's do that one more time. I want everybody to participate. You don't have to even memorize it because it's on the board. All the ones we've done so far are on the board, okay? And, and guess what? In the Philippines, I did this almost the same one, and they just memorized them all. All right, so I'm just throwing that out there at you. <laughs> all right, so, so far, we've got what? Great faith, faith, weak faith, and strong faith. All right, you've seen your faith photograph so far. Let's just do a couple more, and then, um, you know, and then we'll pick it back up. All right, look at 1 Timothy, verse 5. 1 Timothy, verse 5. It's all the way in the back of your Bible, all right, after Thessalonians. Uh, you need another chapter, don't you? 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. How about that? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, says this. All right. If you're there, say, I'm there. There. Most of you there. All right. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love. From a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Sincere faith. So what? That's another one. Sincere faith. What does that mean? Well, I believe sincere faith means that's the kind of faith where you're not just playing around. I, I was talking uh, with my wife about this, and, you know, you know, I'm not going to call any names. I mean, I should probably look in the mirror, but you know how somebody says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going for an interview tomorrow, uh, pray for me. And you go, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll pray for you. But do you really mean it? I mean, you know, most of the time we do, but sometimes you forget. You know, maybe they told you in passing and all of that. Well, being sincere means I will not forget. It's in my heart to do, okay? And so that's what this kind of faith is. This is not just a faith where you're playing around or you say, oh boy, if that happened to me, I, I would just believe, right? This is where it did happen to you and you did believe. You were sincere. I, I mean it, Lord. It, I tell you who was sincere was the man Jesus told a story of a Pharisee and a beggar, I believe. It was at the altar, all right, uh, you remember the story. And the Pharisee, his prayer went something like this. I'm not quoting it verbatim, but his prayer was something like, you know, thank you, Lord, that uh, I am righteous and I am not like this man over here, but, you know, I, I, I am righteous and I am able to walk in your laws, right? 
And uh, the other man, you know, his, he said, Lord, you know, uh, I am but a worm in your sight, and I believe, uh, you know, but help me where I don't believe. That's sincere. That's being sincere. Lord, I believe, I want to believe. There are areas uh, where I fall short. Help me, God, where I don't believe. Sincere faith. All right, let's look at another one. Let's look at one more. You're right there in 1 Timothy. Uh, this is an interesting one. You're right there in 1 Timothy. Go down to verse number, let's see, 18. 1 Timothy, verse 18. Where did I say Timothy was? After Thessalonians. It's before 2 Timothy, isn't it? 1 Timothy is before 2 Timothy. All right. 1, 18. Start at verse 18. It says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered what? Shipwreck. So there's also shipwrecked faith. You say, what in the world is shipwrecked faith? Maybe you're a person that had faith and uh, you were going along and something happened in your life. Someone died. Someone got sick. You lost your job. A friend left your life and you, they hurt you and you didn't think they would ever hurt you. You know, I've been through that. I've been through some of it. Come on. You know, uh, you thought someone was there for you and you were walking together and all of a sudden you get hurt. You get Stabbed in the back, they call it. Backstabbers, right? And something like that happens. Does your faith get shipwrecked then? Do you go off course and all of a sudden turn your back? And now all of a sudden you have shipwrecked faith. You know, it, this, it's, listen, there is no, here's what I want to tell you. There's no shame in any of this. And the thing about it is, as we go through this, the, the only part, there's no test. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to fill out a form and let me know where your faith is. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's not about that. This is only about you and God and knowing where you are in God. Because here's the thing. I believe if our church is going to continue to move forward, if your family is going to continue to move where God wants you to go, if you as a believer are going to continue to move into the place God wants you, you have to develop your faith. You have to grow in Him. And in order to do that, you have to honestly know where you are. So it doesn't hurt anyone else but you yourself to, uh, to, you know, when you look at the photographs, don't look at where you want to be. I mean, we have to have a vision of that. But, when you, but to, in order to get there, you first must know where you are now. I can't look even at my wife and say, well, she's got great faith and I have great faith because she's got great faith. No, it can't be someone else. It has to be, where am I right now in order to let God take me where he wants to take me, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit more about developing your faith. Here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, stand to your feet this morning. And if we're talking about faith, we're talking about uh, growing in our faith, we're talking about being honest with ourselves, okay? Where are we now? Where am I right now? Even if I'm a person that has little faith or I'm weak in faith, that's okay. Don't tell anybody. Look in the mirror. All right? And do that. <laughs> Even if you have great faith, don't tell anybody because then you're just bragging. And we heard what Paul said. Let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Okay? 
And so look in the mirror and, and find out where you are. We've got several more to go through, so I hope you come back next week to go through some more of this because this is important. I mean, I know this doesn't feel spiritual to you at all, but this is one of the most spiritual things that we can ever talk about, right? It is. I mean, I know you, you, you feel like maybe you want the Holy Spirit to fall and you want to start talking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. But uh, here's, here's another thing that I shared also when I was over there. I, I really believe that we're coming to a time in the kingdom where, listen, emotion obviously plays a part. I mean, Jeff and I know, <laughs> you know, I mean, we shed tears and all of that. But what the thing is, emotion doesn't move God. Emotion is for us with each other, which we have a lot. It doesn't move God. It is impossible to please God without faith. Emotion doesn't move Him. You can shed all the tears you want. It might sound kind of harsh, but I don't mean it to be harsh. And God, and God uh, understands our emotion. And he, it's not something we need to take away. We don't, it's not that we don't need emotion. We need it. God created it for us. But God, at some point, has to mature us to the point where on top of our emotions, on top of our tears, on top of our regrets and all of those things that go through our mind, we must develop our faith because that's what moves the hand of God in our life. By faith. Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, Hannah, by faith. That's where God wants to move us.